Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to episode 120 of Fed Heads. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Shea. The time is coming, my friend. The time is coming for the end of the first term of the Trump administration. And one of your favorite topics in all the years that we've known each other, I think we've known each other now 12 years or 13 years. And in all the years we've known each other, the topic that I think you like to talk about the most is coming back upon us. Wow. You're talking about the presidential transition. Yes, Um, exactly right. That's exactly what I'm talking about. You love this concept, uh, and you are actually, I got to give you credit, you were the first person to to coach me up to understand that even if, for example, in the case in which we live today, if President Trump is reelected, a transition team and a transition strategy is still important to move into the second term of a continuing administration. That's right. Woe be the political appointee who is resting on his or her laurels thinking they're safe when in fact the president even if re-elected may want to take a fresh look at his appointees and likewise you know it's a good time to take a look at the policies that are in place the initiatives that are ongoing and what needs to be refreshed what new things are we going to drive uh but of course if 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 there's a new president then there's even greater churn and the institution of government has increasingly become better prepared to effect those transitions smoothly so that the wheels of government keep moving. Does that mean if I'm sitting in one of those chairs right now that I should be thinking about an end game to whatever I'm working on or a handoff game, even if I would like to stay? Well, they're by law required to have succession uh, plans in place. I don't just mean for the people, though. I mean, for yeah. the work. Yeah, I mean, everybody thinks the initiatives they're working on uh, are effectively designed and well-positioned to make progress. So convincing whoever's going to come back in your place that that ought to continue is really important. And that takes data and evidence. Um, uh, and and if, if there is a transition between one administration to the next, there's going to be a lot of mistrust. People are going to think everything the previous administration did was crap, and only things with the fresh tinge of the new crew is going to be effective. Um, and that's a mistake because, as you and I talked about on this program, a lot of you know, what's going on today is really driving change for the better. And that's why you know there are a lot of good government groups trying to get on paper the recommendations of things that ought to, uh, that we ought to stick with and some changes that, that may be important to make. What do you see out there right now that's important for people to pay attention to along the lines of that kind of those guiding documents, that information that's starting to come out? Yeah, I, I follow the um, Partnership for Public Service efforts. They are one of the more thoughtful groups in this arena. Of course, I'm involved with ACT-IAC's transition team which recently put out a report bemoaning the decline in trust in government and the fact that we need to restore that by paying attention to risk 
to by, by measuring and improving the customer experience and investing in technology in a way that uh, really is going to meet these evolving needs. We're you know we're in a period where it's really shined a light on the need for technology and the need for modern technology and the need for uh, an agile technology and the workforce to run it. We, we also have also been working with the um, Senior Executives Association and the Center for Organizational Excellence on a human capital plan. Uh, managers across government routinely say their number one challenge is not being able to recruit and retain the workforce they need to get the job done. And so that uh, those two organizations have stood up a, a thoughtful group to make some recommendations on how to, how to fix this broken system. So from your perspective personally and understanding that you're only speaking as an individual and not a representative of any of the groups that you just said you're affiliated with, what's the answer or what are the answers or what are the possible answers that you have considered or what are some of the things that you know from experience aren't going to work or would be really hard to make work it's funny it's the same answer um great (laughs) that's not uh, encouraging um the the most important thing an administration could do to improve the management of the executive branch is to enact comprehensive personnel reform um, it, it is too difficult to hire people. It's too difficult to hold uh, people accountable for their performance. So investing political capital to get that done would make enormous, long-lasting change for the better in the operation of the executive branch. It is likewise a, a place on which I've broken my pick and um, it People, if, if, they're, if they want to get it done, they better understand that it's, uh, there's going to be some bloodletting um, and, and it'll be difficult to get through Congress, even more difficult to get the cooperation of the employee unions. So it is not for the faint of heart. Who's willing to die on that hill? Because you're right, none of those are easy. And I'm not sure, especially when we're six months out before the end of the, at least the first term of, of an administration, I mean, this stuff's just going to sit here for a while, isn't it? So no one yet has been willing to die on the hill. I will say major human capital reforms were accomplished during the Bush administration in the shadow of 9-11. Is the shadow of the COVID-19 pandemic enough of a burning platform to give the administration an opportunity to enact these kinds of sweeping reforms? I don't know. What else should people pay attention to transition-wise? What's happening in the next several months that makes a difference in the way people go about their jobs every day? Maybe not even political appointees, but maybe people who work for the political appointees. I mean, the most important thing federal employees can do is you know, keep their heads down, continue doing a good job, staying safe, uh, doing the good work of the American people. We've got political conventions coming up. And, and those will not be reliable sources of information about what the next administration will do, but they'll be good theater and it'll be interesting to watch how they get done during a pandemic. The party platforms will be published, and I would say on the list of 100 things you ought to look at to project where the new administration will go, that's probably 99. Um, I was going to say, because if you've got 100 things, can you just give me like the top five? 
but they're kind of an interesting thing. Again, these good government groups will be making important recommendations. The transition teams themselves are stood up and how they'll be staffed, who will be leading those will be probably a good bellwether for who's going to staff the next administration. A lot more to cover on transition as time goes on in the coming weeks and months. What else is happening? What else is on your radar screen as we head into uh, the next couple of weeks? Well, I'm going to try to take a little vacation here, but see what the beach looks like. And if we can accomplish adequate social distancing, I might come back with a better tan than I have today. Better tan implies that you have a tan today. <laughs> so I, That's right. Well, that's the good thing about being on a podcast. Right. Yeah, yeah see, I, everybody can tell on television. I, everybody can check my tan status any, any night of the week, just about. Uh, all right, so to that what end. What about you? Uh, I'm going to Cooperstown, New York, the home of the Baseball Hall of Fame. All right, you want to hear a funny story? Yes, I'll be the judge of that, though. All right, so last June, my son and I went to Cooperstown for Father's Day weekend. I remember. Right. I remember, yeah. So we're in this diner that's on the main street in Cooperstown, and this guy comes in, big, gregarious fella, and he sits down, and he's talking to these two guys at the lunch counter, that he obviously knows and we can tell from overhearing their conversation all three of them live there and it turns out the guy that had just walked in is talking to this fella probably was about my age and his son who looked like he was maybe a little older than my boy who's 20 so they exchange pleasantries for a while and the two guys finish their breakfast they get up and leave and this guy's the kind of fellow that can't just sit there. He's got to talk to somebody. So he turns to us, and he starts talking to us. Oh, where are you from? What do you do? And normally when somebody says to me in an environment like that, what do you do? I don't say I'm on TV because that can come off as being kind of arrogant. I say I'm working video production or something like that, right? But I figured, what the hell? I'm never going to see this guy again. What difference does it make? So I go, I have a TV show. And he looks at me and he goes, no, you don't. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I do. And he looks at my son and he goes, no, he doesn't. And my son just kind of nods his head. And this dude just looks down at his breakfast and he's shaking his head. Like I'm talking to the biggest jerk on the face of the earth who just can't <laughs> tell me the truth. So I pull out my phone and I pull up a video and I hand him my phone and I say, press play. And he hits play on my phone, and the Government Matters jazz starts, and then I come on, and I'm talking about something. And he's looking at this thing, and as, when my face comes on the screen, he just makes this face like he can't believe, like he's never seen anything like it in his entire life. And he points at the phone, and he points at me, and he goes, that's you. And I said, yeah, no S, buddy. <laughs> and he cracked up laughing. And it turns out this guy is a retired sta uh, cop somewhere in, in one of the local jurisdictions in New Jersey. And his family's been going to Cooperstown for a long, long time. And so he has a place up there, and he spends half the year in Jersey and half the year in Cooperstown. And he's an umpire. Oh, wow. He's an actual – because they have – so there's this place called Field of Dreams right outside Cooperstown. That's as, that's as, as believable as being a – TV, a TV host personality. Well, but so the thing is, this guy is an umpire at this Field of Dreams place where they run just hundreds of baseball tournaments through there during most summers, not this summer, obviously. But um, 
he decided he tried it, thought it was fun, and loved it so much he wound up going to umpire school and everything. And so I'm going to go hang out with umpire Pete. Oh, that's great. That's how he's in what my phone. What a great story. That is really neat. Umpire Pete. He's really got, a, got a boat. We're going to take it out on Lake Otsego one afternoon and just kind of sit out there and probably well, just I hope drink beers and tell stories. I hope the weather's beautiful. Um, look forward to seeing you when, when we get back. All right. Here's our schedule. Uh, next week, great show. Matt Cornelius, Executive Director of the Alliance for Digital Innovation, is here he was at a hearing of the House Oversight and Reform Committee, a subcommittee that Jerry Connolly is chairman of a couple of weeks ago, talking about uh, IT modernization and government, what we've learned from coronavirus. He's next week. Then um, the weeks after that, we're going to take two weeks off. I'm going to go to Cooperstown. You're going to go to, where are you on? Emerald, North Emerald, Car- Emerald Isle, North Carolina. Okay. I didn't know if you wanted to say it on the podcast because I'm. <laughs> we might get stuck. I don't want you to get rushed down there. <laughs> All the FedHeads fans asking you to sign their stickers. Yeah. Oh, I should bring stickers, though. You absolutely should bring stickers. Yeah. Right. Um, so, and then we'll be back full bore on September 7th. So that's, a, that's okay. the plan. I'll miss you. I look forward to talking with you then. Uh, I hope you have a great, great vacation. You too. Thanks for listening to The Fed Heads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store.